Hey, welcome back to Well That's Interesting, the oh crap, you're you're gonna make me cry, aren't you? Edition. Today is episode 148, Parrots Using FaceTime to Prevent Loneliness and Animals Who Call the Pacific Garbage Patch Home. So yes, yes, my friends, today is going to make you cry, and for a number of reasons. There will be sweet, oh so many sweet moments compounded by the realization that the situation these animals find themselves in is due in thanks to you and me, thanks to humans. But despite the loneliness they may feel or the literal garbage pile they may be marooned on, they persist, learning to carry on and even thrive. In the first half of the show, our favorite type of experiment, a first of its kind experiment. Now, you and I are no strangers to FaceTime, Zoom, Google, Hangout, and what-the-fuck-not, etc. In the brave new world we live in, video conferencing is how we connect. And depending on whose face we see on screen, that could really brighten our day. With this in mind, a handful of animal-loving researchers got together and had themselves a hankering. They wondered, can certain bird species, like cockatoos and African greys, call other fellow birds using a tablet? Like, can we teach them to do this, to get to use it? And if we do, what would happen? Would they voluntarily make calls? And because of this contact, would their behaviors change? Would they teach each other new songs, new ways to groom, make new friends? Would they show off their toys? Ugh, well, my equally brilliant business goose, the answer to all of this is, of course, yes. And it's fucking adorable. We are going to get into the nitty-gritty of how you even teach a bird to use a goddamn iPad and the overwhelming joy and emotional therapy this kind of technology could bring to a creature, and sadly sometimes a solitary pet, whose cognitive capabilities are equal to that of an early elementary-aged child. So I cannot fucking wait to show you how these isolated parrots just come alive at the sight of another bird. And uh, yes, they're aware there's another live parrot on the other end of the line. It's fucking amazing. It's just colossal. Then after the break, a massive, massive floating pile of human trash. Um, And no, it's not Staten Island. It's the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. And I bet you have a lot of questions like, what the fuck are you talking about? What is this? Where exactly? And how big exactly? Are we talking here? And is some of my plastic waste to blame for it? And, uh, well, quick yes to that last one. But don't worry, we're all to blame. And we're totally going to answer the rest of those questions, all while revealing a shocking discovery. Researchers recently found a large number of coastal species, coastal species, living, reproducing, and successfully thriving on this human-made garbage patch out at sea. It's a bizarre, sadly sweet Pixar film that's totally real, and like any good film, there's complexity. Like, do we clean up their home? And being that this is dragging coastal, not supposed to be their species out to sea, how does this affect native sea life? Yeah. And there's actually a whole lot more to ponder, too. But before we get to that, I'm Jill Chacha. And if this is your first time listening, welcome to the flock, my non-aquatic business goose. (laughs) We have so much to get to, so uh, we should just get into it. What do you say? Fantastic. Please join me, will you, alongside Rebecca Kleinberger, 
an assistant professor at Northeastern University, Jennifer Kana, a parrot behaviorist and Northeastern researcher, and Ilyana Hirsky Douglas, I fucking nailed it, an assistant, <laughs> assistant professor at the University of Glasgow. Now, this isn't their first rodeo together. They've collaborated previously, combining, combining computer interaction and animal species. Like, a lot. Like, ranging from dogs to orcas, and I really want to see that orca study. <laughs> we all know what's going on with orcas lately. Anyway, they do this all in hopes to not only enrich these brilliant social creatures' lives, but to understand how they socialize. Now, this time around, they decided to focus on African gray parrots, cockatiels, and macaws, what I like to call the smart alex of the sky, if you will. But their intelligence and sharp tongue aren't the only reasons why they were chosen for their next study. For you see, my friends, parrots have only been kept as pets slash been in captivity for a handful of generations, certainly not as long as dogs, cats, and horses have been, and they haven't been domesticated the same way either. This could create a bit of a problem for a complex animal that's supposed to be in a large flock. Quote, when kept in captivity, such as in people's homes as pets, these social birds are often on their own. Feeling bored and isolated, they may develop psychological issues and can even resort to self-harming tendencies like plucking out their feathers. Lonely parrots are unhappy parrots. So researchers set out, of, set out to find a way for some of the estimated 20 million pet birds living in the United States to connect with each other. End quote from smithsonianmag.com. And my friends, geez, let me tell you the method in which the three researchers connected some parrots and the fucking joy that came of it is the most heartwarming shit you didn't know you needed. So grab some fucking Kleenex. Let's get into it. Now, the first thing lead study author Rebecca Kleinberger took into account was something I really think we could all relate to. Quote, Parrots are finicky about which fellow birds they will respond to. Uh, unmediated interactions could lead to fear, even violence, and property damage. <laughs> Sorry. Larger parrots have beaks more than capable of cracking an iPad into pieces. End quote from news.northeastern.edu. I, I don't know. I think it's like looking in a mirror. I mean, who among us? Who among us, I ask, has not felt silent rage during an unnecessary meeting. Yeah, exactly. So, Rebecca sought out experienced handlers who, one, had time to introduce the technology slowly, and two, could carefully monitor their parrots' reactions. It's very responsible. So, my friends, brace yourself. The researchers recruited volunteers from something adorably called Parrot Kindergarten. Yeah. Let that settle in. There's a thing called Parrot Kindergarten, and it's a pre-existing online training program for parrot owners and their birds. A total of ki 18 kick-ass caretakers and their feathered friends joined the study <clears throat> and engaged in the first phase, teaching a bird how not to only use a tablet, but teaching them what the fuck a FaceTime call is to begin with. Okay? And unsurprisingly... This only took two weeks. Yeah, again, this is a species learning about and using something totally alien to them, and it took them two weeks. 
I think we're still trying to teach our parents how to use their iPhones. But so this is amazing. And uh, this is how it was done. <clears throat> Caretakers first taught their bird to ring a bell, which would gain them a little treat and a tablet, which had pictures of a few other participating birds on the screen. The bird would then choose a picture by pressing their beak against it. I know. The owner would then initiate a live call between those two birds. And my friends, this is what that sounded like. I'm going to pull up a video provided by the New York Times in an article called Canned Parrots Talk Over Video Chat. And uh, don't you fucking worry, I'm going to have screenshots of this video as well. So please swing on over to our social media stuffs and swipe along as I play this. Uh, if you can't, um, just imagine an African Grey, thank you, on her playset, which also has a bell. And the following takes place. Now I'm going to narrate the best I can. As I play this, here we go. She's ringing the bell. Do you want to call a friend? Eleanor, who would you like to call this time? She's presented a tablet. Which friend would you like to call? You want to call Rosie? Okay. So the caretaker presents Eleanor it's adorable. With a tablet with two photos on the tablet, there's a red macaw and then there's uh, another bird. Uh, Eleanor pressed her beak against Rosie and this is what happened next. And this next slide is uh, from the point of view of the macaw, Rosie. You want to talk to her? Uh, you do? Okay. Uh, Ready? I'm going to play that you again. Talk to her? Uh, you do? Okay. Uh, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. So, <laughs> um, that's fucking right. You heard that right. Eleanor, the African Grey, chose Rosie from the tablet and actually said, hi, Rosie, when they connected. And the... Fucking excited McCall Rosie does this happy head bob thing after seeing Eleanor and squawks, and I, I just can't fucking take it. Um, I'm exploding. So <clears throat> my equally de delighted business goose calls like that lasted up to five minutes, uh, but ended early. Five minutes was like the maximum time allotted, but they ended early if the parrots showed disinterest, left the space, or exhibited any signs of stress. And I'm happy to say no one exhibited stress, but three did drop out. <laughs> like, they totally lost interest. I'm assuming that's because they thought these meetings could have been an email. But anyway, on to phase two, which is the most intriguing part of the study, my friends. Quote, in this open call period, the 15 participating birds could make calls freely. They also got to choose which bird to dial up. Over the next two months, pet parrots made 147 deliberate video calls to other birds. 147. Their owners uh, took detailed notes about the calls and recorded more than a thousand hours of video footage that the researchers analyzed. End quote from smithsonianmag.com. That's a thousand hours. <laughs> I mean, so you heard that right. Birds chose a friend to call. 
Now, specifically, this call happened during coordinated three-hour windows, where again, each bird could initiate up to two calls, lasting no longer than five minutes each. The caretaker only supervised the calls this time around, and they also uploaded and recorded video uh, for analysis and took notes on behavior, etc. But I know what you may be thinking. Other than head bobs and excited squawks, what the fuck else did they do? What the fuck else happened? Well, holy shit, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Lucky for you, I found an interview with Rebecca, and you could hear a little bit about that from her directly. And if you want, you could watch along too. So please fire up the old tube of you and search. Pet birds on FaceTime? Question mark. Parrot video chats? Part of study at local university. And that's a very long title uploaded by... WCVB Channel 5 of Boston. Who else? <laughs> so I'm going to play uh, that interview right the fuck now. Most people... No, nope, that's a commercial. have no clue that in 2023, <laughs> the best way to make money on Amazon oh, is man. not with physical pro. Damn it. We're going to skip that and go right to the video heard bird calls before, right? But not like this one. I want to show you a pet parrot FaceTiming with a friend. The video chat is part of a research study, actually, at Northeastern University. Researchers recruited a group of 18 birds to see whether these social creatures could be taught how to place a call. So we gave them a little bell. And then when they ring the bell, we provide the iPad with different photos of birds. And then if they pick one of those birds, that triggers a call. And then when the call is triggered, we just observe. They definitely vocalize and they have some of their natural vocalization, some vocalizations that are more human-like when they would say hello to each other uh, or they would learn each other's name. They didn't seem stressed. They didn't seem worried. They were just very engaged. Some of them were really calm and quiet and, and comfortable. Um, and others were very into showing off where they would fly away and fly back, bringing a toy to show their toys, or they would sing loudly, or they would show up, throw up their feathers. So there you have it, my friends. Adorably. I mean, some birds showed off their toys, <laughs> and some used the time uh, to sing together. But it gets more emotional than that when you hear about the exact details. Quote, Two sickly elderly male macaws paired together in the study had scarcely seen another macaw in their lives, yet formed a deep bond. Dancing and singing enthusiastically together through the screen and calling, hi, come here, hello, whenever one or the other moved out of the video frame. End quote. That's from news.northeastern.edu. And my friends, you fucking bet I do. I have a snippet of those two birds FaceTiming, and that video is from the New York Times. And what you're going to hear is one of those elderly macaws singing with their other fellow elderly macaw over an iPad. Uh, I'm going to bring that up, and it's just goddamn adorable, and there better not be a fucking pop-up ad. <laughs> what do you think, Cork? You like singing? Ooh, get out excited. <laughs> There you go. Yep, that was it. That was it. Are you crying yet? Because, no? Okay, well, that's not all. Birds taught other. <laughs> Additionally, some birds taught others new grooming habits, which they did simultaneously. So they did their fucking hair together, y'all. 
they did their hair together. And once again, very similar to us humans, quote, parrots who initiated the highest number of video calls also received the most calls, which suggests a reciprocal dynamic similar to human socialization, end quote. And that was from the researcher's statement on the study. So it was a classic case of you get what you give, even in bird form. This is wild. So <laughs> to top off this seven-layer cake of cuteness with unbearably sweet icing, those bonds which were created are still going strong well after the study concluded. Yeah. Researcher Jennifer Cunna's bird, named Ellie, who is a cockatoo, became friends with a California-based African gray named Cookie. This is real. It's a thing. And Jennifer told Northeastern.edu, quote, it's been over a year and they still talk. I can't. I can't. Uh, I'm just, I'm a puddle right now. So needless to say, these are some really encouraging results. And Smithsonian Mag said it best, although video chatting can't replace the social interactions that would occur in the wild, it may be a viable option for improving the lives of parrots in captivity with educated handlers who have the time and energy to keep tabs on their birds, end quote. So a little parrot kindergarten really does go a long way. Oh my God. After the break, ugh, we're not through with crying, not by a long shot. My friends, I'm going to introduce a gigantic new soupy island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean whose inhabitants should not be there. Well, the whole goddamn thing shouldn't be there. But here we are talking about the great Pacific garbage patch and the multitudes that call it home. You're going to want to hear this. It's another first, and it's wild. So please, stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Jill Chacha here from Well That's Interesting, and I am absolutely thrilled to tell you about Spotify for Podcasters. I use it, I love it, and it all started by downloading the free Spotify for Podcasters app, which has all the tools you need in one place to record and edit your masterpiece of a podcast. Spotify for Podcasters also distributes your show to all major platforms, so when you hit publish, your episodes will stream not only on Spotify, but I'm talking about the Apples, the Googles, Stitcher, Good Pods, the other ones. <laughs> you get the idea. And you can monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership required. You could also set up monthly subscriptions and record ads just like this one. So what are you waiting for? Download Spotify for podcasters today and start changing the world. Oh, and please stay interesting. 
20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 Right. Now streaming. Dad! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Vacation Friends 2, rated R, now streaming only on Hulu. And we're back. We are so back. And my friends, I I really hate to do this. I really hate to do this, but I got to drop some number bombs on you. And uh, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a little, a lot. <laughs> it's going to hurt a lot, okay? But we're going to do this together. Okay. According to theoceancleanup.com, an estimated 1.15 to 2.41 million tons of plastic enter the ocean each year from rivers. And I'll say that again, one to over 2 million mil- tons of plastic enter the ocean uh, from our rivers. And more than half of this plastic is less dense than water, meaning that it will not sink once it's out to sea. Those pieces then persist at the sea surface as they make their way offshore, transported by converging currents called gyres, until finally accumulating as a patch, or in this case, forming a buoyant, roaming, huge fucking island. And the one we're going to learn about today is the greatest of them all. Of course, greatest in the pejorative sense we're talking about in size and scope. And my friends, it's imagination time. So please, will you picture the California coastline? There it is. Now please point to it. Thank you. Now move your finger all the motherfucking way west until you hit Hawaii, which is a good five hours away by air. Now, I actually took us a little too far. We're going to backtrack just a smidge. So please move your finger east. Thank you. Because between these two states is a soupy island of sorts that's been dubbed the Great Pacific Garbage Patch or GPGP for short. Now, here's a few not-so-fun facts about this place. The old GPGP covers an estimated surface area of 1.6 million square kilometers. Now, what the fuck is that? My fellow mathematically challenged Americans may be asking. Don't worry, I've got you here, too. That's basically an area twice the size of Texas. Yeah. Or three times the size of France, for our international listeners. Now... You may also be wondering, how in the holy hell do you measure a roaming island that's a cornucopia of debris? Well, let's just say it took a fucking village. Quote, To formulate this number, the team of scientists behind this research conducted the most elaborate sampling method method ever coordinated. This consisted of a fleet of 30 boats, 652 surface nets, and two flights over the patch to gather aerial imagery. Sampling at different locations within the same time period allowed a more accurate estimate of the size of the patch and the plastic drifting in it. End quote from theoceancleanup.com. My friends, whew, I am out of breath, but the number bombing unfortunately does not stop here. Uh, in fact, This shit is going to get a whole lot worse, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, Now that we know where it is and how many fucking miles it covers, you might want to know what's inside and how much. 
Uh, at the time of the sampling I just talked about, there were more than 1.8 trillion pieces of plastic in the patch, which as a whole is estimated to weigh 80,000 tons. Yeah. Now, if you need a visual to help wrap your mind around those numbers, I got you here too. Uh, that's the weight of about 500 jumbo jets. And that 1.8 trillion plastic pieces, well, that's the equivalent of 250 pieces of debris for every human in the world. Yeah. So between you and me, that's 500 pieces right there. So is your soul destroyed <laughs> like mine? <laughs> that was super fucking rough to hear. Well, here's an odd consequence of our filth. Um, it's half alarming, half shows the resilience of nature. Lindsay Haram, a marine ecologist and fellow colleagues, were examining 105 random pieces of trash plucked from this patch, and what they found blew minds. Quote, As we started going through the plastics, it ended up that we saw coastal species on 70% of the 105 debris items, she told NPR. Yeah, my friends, 70%. To put this into context, all right, imagine a very tiny version of yourself, washed out to sea, clinging only to, like, a discarded Barbie doll or bottle cap, and seemingly in the middle of fucking nowhere, and you, my land-loving business goose, are doing just fine. You're doing, you're doing great. You're doing great. That's what's happening here. Now, biologists, prior to this discovery, knew coastal species occasionally travel via floating debris, but, and big butt here, big old butt, that assumption also came with the idea that coastal species couldn't live long-term out there. I mean, think about it. You've got differences in temperature, salinity, the available nutrients are completely different. Your entire food supply is completely different if you're a land-dwelling creature versus a seafaring one. But this patch, no pun intended, blew that idea out of the water. I know, I'm sorry, I had to say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Researchers found not only live coastal species, but ones healthy enough to reproduce and actually reproducing. They were just living life to the fullest. And uh, not only that, but get this, quote, over two thirds of the over two thirds of the time, there were coastal and open ocean species living together on the same piece of trash, which means they must be now routinely interacting. What that interaction looks like, we're unsure. But there's definitely competition for space, right? End quote, said Lindsay to NPR. Well, I mean, my friends, if you're imagining a Pixar film of unlikely neighbors, I wouldn't blame you. On one hand, it's kind of adorable. But on the other, this whole situation of coastal species floating on debris, this could cause some not-so-cute problems. Uh, for example, researchers saw coastal anemones eating a species of purple snail that's native to the sea. So they're basically snacking on someone else's lunch that was left in the fridge and had their name on it. It's a douche move. Moreover, not only could these invasive species be affecting the food chain of native species out on the ocean, they could potentially end up in a whole other country if their debris makes landfall, making them an invasive species there as well. Quote, it's a bit scary as well as fascinating, said Sabine Reck, a marine biologist with the Universidad Católica del Norte in Chile. And I fucking nailed that. I'm just going to 
go ahead and just say that I did that. Sabine said uh, that to NPR, not the not the nailed it part, the bit that where it's scary. So, uh, that was what she said. Now, <laughs> moving on. Turns out Sabine and her colleagues studied dozens of pieces of trash from the South Pacific, and they didn't see any coastal life on them. Um, but she noted that that this may be due to the harsher elements in the South Pacific and the nutrient-poor environment. But, again, another big old but here, it's possible those researchers may have missed them. And there may be a smaller population of coastal creatures living under the radar. Quote, that is what I'd really like to know, Sabine added. So, you know, dot, dot, dot. The study will continue in the South Pacific, and my friends, life does find a way, even on our useless shit. So please, let's get a bit more responsible with our goddamn trash and our products and uh, our everything while we're at it. Just everything. We just have to get better at everything. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Thank you for listening, rating, subscribing, telling your friends about the goddamn par- parrots, just the birds, the parrots, FaceTiming each other and just the joy, just the purest fucking joy that came from it and tell them about the GPGP and <laughs> it was the largest coordinated effort uh not space related basically just fucking man oh man and uh please stay interesting